Welcome to the Propaganda Report. This is Monica Perez, and here as our guests today are Etienne de la Poitie Squared, author of Government, the Biggest Scam in History, and Grant Elman, creator, artist, performer of the future classic and viral video now, Scam. So I haven't heard that yet in its entirety. I can't wait to hear it. And But I have spoken to Etienne before about the edition I have of Government, the Biggest Scam in History. But I know you're working on a new edition that will include the biggest scam of our lifetimes. You want to, how do you want to do this? You want to tell us about your, the latest edition. You want to give us a little recap of, you know, you guys tell me what you, what you want us to know. Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can kick it off and say, uh, good to see you again. And uh, thanks for, for having us. Uh, greetings from Sedona, the consciousness capital of the universe where uh where grant and i both uh both reside and where we've been uh, friends for uh for a while now and uh, both members of the liberty community and so my book originally came out in uh, january of 2020 the fourth edition did and then uh in the interim we've had this uh the second biggest scam in history the scam of the covid so i'm in the process of updating the book uh, to cover the scam of the COVID. And as part of that, we launched an Indiegogo campaign, uh, artofliberty.org forward slash Indiegogo, where we're raising $35,000 to, uh, to pre-sell the book and develop a guerrilla retail kit that allows anybody that has a retail location to share in the profits of the book and to get around the censorship of the monopoly chain bookstores and not being able to get a you know a book like this into the market you know easily enough and uh and grant was inspired by uh the book uh, government the biggest scam in history into writing a song called scam and so we when we announced the indiegogo we launched his new video uh, with the book. And that video is now, I want to say, 31,000 plus uh, views in less than, I want to say, three weeks or so. And that is with the, the video, that's with the song being censored on Spotify and on Twitter and probably other social media platforms that we just haven't discovered it yet. Uh, but Grant is a uh, is a mu musician, uh, multi instrumentalist, and also a, a member of what we kind of call the Liberty community around here. And so I wanted to uh, to introduce him to your audience, and I wanted uh, I thought we could all kick around, uh, you know, why we're doing what we're doing, and the importance of liberty in our own lives, and the idea of real freedom, not fake freedom but you know the real thing volunteerism nobody gets the ring of power nobody gets an exception from morality for anybody else so uh, it's my pleasure to introduce grant elman hi grant how you doing hi awesome thanks so much for having me on the show i really appreciate it monica well thanks for coming so yeah tell us continue where etienne left off yeah, so I this song, the idea for the song Scam just came a little bit earlier this year. I was just really frustrated with, I guess, feeling like people weren't really seeing the whole picture. I just continued to hear people say I got COVID. I continued to hear people say, um, referring to COVID as if it had even been isolated or purified, as though it was actually a real thing. Um, I, I'm not sure if you're aware, but if you've watched like David Icke's long series on London Real, he exposed how COVID has never actually been isolated or purified. The work of Dr. Andrew Kaufman is also good in that regard in terms of exposing like the deep level scientific fraud that's going on in terms of so how. Are you comfortable kind of expounding on that a little bit? Because yeah. I, mean, I had it and it was different from anything I'd ever had. So there's some. Right. Right. I'm not I'm not I'm not discounting the fact that people are getting ill. I've been ill as well with whatever this thing is where. Yeah, right. Because I mean, you can't taste smell. the smell. Yeah. And it's not, not congestion. I'm so not discounting. Is, yeah, yeah, I'm not discounting that. I'm, all I'm saying is that they haven't actually proven that a virus is causing the symptoms that everybody claims to be. Right. COVID. I, they they I haven't isolated that, yeah. it and and they haven't proven that to exist. And then in addition to that, they have not also 
followed Koch's postulates, which are like the medical gold standard of proving that a particular thing is causing a disease. I and think no virus has ever passed Koch's postulates. No, it hasn't. And then in addition to that, they have, they're using PCR, which is not a test. The person who discovered PCR, um, his name. Yeah. Dr. Carrie Mullis. Mullis, you know, he said that it wasn't to be used as a test right. and and then even Dr. Anthony Fraudji has said that over 35 cycles is meaningless on this test and they're using 40, 45 cycles. So all the, all the results for the test, the quote unquote test are false positives. So, you know, I, I'm just saying all that to say that there's just a really, really deep level scientific fraud and a scam going on. And so the point of my song was to, to illuminate that in a way that hopefully people would be able to take in a little bit more easily than just being shouted at by activists. You know, if it's a heart opening, good feeling, good vibe, reggae music song, it might be a little bit easier yeah. for people to get the message. And then also in addition to that, the song isn't just about the scam, but it's also about how we can rise up. We can take our power back, how we can live from a more heart centered awareness and, and really to be in a state of sovereignty within ourselves and not have to ask the government for permission to be sovereign. So. Amen to that. So do you, how should we, do you want to play the song? Do we want to cut the song in from your video? Yeah, let's just cut it in from the video. Cause okay, I think that great. a lot of times with a broadcast like this, it's, it's a little bit too choppy for, for yeah. music to be played yes. in real time over the air. Yes. So yeah, if you want to cut it in for the listeners to see, yeah. that would be, that would be great. I was going to just connect it to the video in the show notes and we can do that so people can share it separately, but it would be really fun to listen to, um, inside the video as well. So, so let's get back to the book. So Etienne, the book is going to be basically, it's the same format. So I'm not mm -hmm. sure people, assuming people haven't, don't go back and listen to our first conversation. Maybe you should tell us what makes this unique and um so effective and then you can you know we can talk about the basic book and then add in the newest stuff if you like sure absolutely so i mean the basics is how do you design a book to wake up your friends your family your loved ones how do you take them from zero to 60 in the shortest amount of time and most people are visual learners and they come to insight much quicker when they see a visualization or a media ownership chart or historical uh, photos. And so what I did is, uh, is designed a book uh, to be able to take somebody from zero to 60 in the shortest amount of time by leveraging the fact that most people are visual learners. And so in the book, I do a lot with media ownership charts. I do a lot with visualizations that make what was invisible now visible. Uh, most human beings are really, really good pattern recognition machines. Mm -hmm. And when you see the historical pattern of how government has been implemented, not just in the United States, but in Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union and East Germany, and you begin to realize, hey, wait a minute, there is a playbook and the United States is running the exact same playbook as the Nazis, the Soviets, and the East Germans. Well, when you see that with your own eyes, you come to that moment of insight very, very, very quickly. And so that is really what the book is known for. Now, when I released the book in uh, you know uh, January of 2020, the COVID hadn't happened yet. Uh, I got caught in Guatemala, had to get across the border, came into uh, Southern uh, or, uh, Northern California to, to meet with some folks. I realized it was, this was a, a scam immediately. And just, I, you know, I'd been tracking the same group, this organized crime group for over 20 years. Uh, I'd read the book Inventing the AIDS Virus by Dr. Yes, Duesberg. Duesberg. Yes, yep. yes. Yep. Introduced by Carrie Mullis. By Carrie Mulls, which is going right now, I want to say like 500 bucks a copy on Amazon right now. So really? that book is out of print and, and, uh, and which is, you know, amazing to me given everything yeah. that's going on. Uh, but, but I had read that book, you know, almost like 20 years ago and just understood the fraud of how, you know, HIV was sold to the, sold to the public Absolutely. by the exact same crew. In the exact is, same manner. In the exact same manner. And so, uh, so all of those things put together, uh, led me to, you know, to question the whole thing from the beginning. And so when, when the, when the COVID hit, I flew 
flew, you know, kind of directly to uh, to Silicon Valley and uh, California to meet with some of my uh, donors to the Art of Liberty Foundation to see if I could get them into the fight and we could expose this thing in kind of like a big way. And uh, and I ended up spending, you know, two months in California um, organizing resistance with David Rodriguez from the uh, the Gatto Project and um, uh, Santa Cruz Voluntarius, and we went into hospitals uh, in what the what the L.A. Times called was the epicenter of COVID in California, Santa Clara, and we found uh, empty tents, empty waiting rooms, and hospital employees openly speculating the whole thing was a hoax. Uh, we went into uh, Dominican Hospital in Santa Cruz. We found the same thing, empty tents, empty waiting rooms. And uh, the, after that video went viral in the community, they took the, uh, they took the, uh, uh, the tents down the next day. But in May of 2020, we did one of the first uh, investigations into the COVID, multi-investigator investigation looking into evidence of prior knowledge evidence of disaster capitalism, evidence of hospitals being empty all over the world. And so that investigation, which you can still get at government-scam forward slash pandemic, uh, that investigation, I believe, was the first investigation focused on uh, the COVID as uh, an engineered event of an organized crime system. And so now, you know, that was that was kind of very early on. Now you've got, you know, Dr. David Martin, who is naming names in his, uh, I don't know if you've seen the video from the Red Pill Expo, the recent Red Pill Expo, where he actually names names. I'll get that to you. And I would recommend him highly as, you know, as a guest, there is a uh, German a lawyer that has organized over a thousand attorneys and 10,000 health professionals that are calling for Nuremberg II in Germany, uh, saying that this is a, an engineer event of inter, uh, intergenerational organized crime. You've got Paul Craig Roberts has come, come forward and has openly speculated that this uh, could be a eugenics operation. You've got uh, you've got others uh, that are, you know, uh, from, you know, uh, Robert F. Kennedy, uh, you know, in his new book, Fauci, you know, accusing uh, Fauci of criminality. And so now there is much, much, much more evidence of the criminality of covid. And so that's what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to update the book to include all of the evidence of foreknowledge, all of the evidence of disaster capitalism. Uh, the evidence of, of what's in the vaccines. And then over the past two years, we've developed a, uh, a, a liberator flash drive and Dropbox full of evidence. And so we'll be combining that with our existing flash drives. Uh, we're not going to have an 8 gig and a 16 gig anymore. We're just going to have a 32 gigabit flash drive that includes uh, you know, everything on our first two uh, you know, flash drives of freedom. Um, and the evidence of the COVID and kind of the best uh, of, uh, of voluntarism. So the idea that the, the world is the self-organizing system, it produces spontaneous order and everything that the government does, whether it's, you know, roads or air traffic control or, uh, you know, anything that's non-redistributive could be done better, faster, cheaper by the free market, by mutual aid societies, by nonprofits, by real charity. And that really has been one of the biggest secrets that has been kept from the public that we just don't need government, that everything that government does you know, could be done better, faster, cheaper by, you know, without the, the violence or the extortion or the indoctrination or, or everything that the government is doing to try and sell the population surreptitiously on the need to have a government in the first place. And so that is really the kind of the good news message of the book. And that's going to be, you know, a lot of the evidence in this new 32 uh, gigabit um uh, flash drive that you can pre-order uh, in our Indiegogo at artofliberty.org forward slash Indiegogo. Well, I want to pick up on a few things that you said. First of all, maybe go go back from last to first, that this idea that you need government for all of those things on its face, like before the whole COVID thing, it would be 
easier to convince somebody that they just don't, like you said, better, faster, cheaper. But now I'm pretty confident in the argument that it's actually a pathocracy. It's actually working against us. So it's not only that they could do it better if they wanted to be more efficient, but that they actually want the opposite. It's kind of like, it seems like they want to impart ill health because they want to sell drugs. And that's a big problem. But if you did even just go back to the faster, better, cheaper, and one of the things you mentioned was charity redistribution, a lot of even that in government, so Social Security, Medicare, um, Medicaid, all of that. I have a son, my first son was born with Down syndrome. And I remember thinking, wow, people who don't have resources for this might really have a problem because it's extra resources. And I thought, I remembered when I went to get life insurance, I was a smoke, had previously been a smoker and I stopped smoking and then I got life insurance and then I snuck a cigarette. So they give, they test you for nicotine. So they found the nicotine and they said, well, you can pay these premiums through the roof or you can just take a year off and test again. And I did that. And I, and I never cheated again. I never smoked a cigarette again because I just didn't, I didn't want that hassle. And I also thought, wow, they, their interests are aligned with mine. They don't want me to die. They've done the statutory, statuary, statuarial, actuarial stuff that shows that this is important. And if, if when I was considering, uh, you know, I got married and if I wanted to buy insurance of having a child who had a birth defect, like it would have been very cheap for me because I was kind of younger than the average person who has a child with Down syndrome and maybe a thousand other people would have bought that insurance for a thousand bucks. And the one person who kind of lost that lottery would get a million bucks. Like every, but even the welfare aspect of government would be better served as an insurance mechanism, especially since they would actually have to pay. So, so say the cops, they don't have to pay you if they fail and you have something stolen, but your insurance company would, and may even give you a subset of, well, if you have guns, then you get let, you have to pay less for your, you know, your insurance on getting stuff stolen from your house. It's just that there's almost nothing that couldn't be covered. And then I also make the point that the, I think, I mean, three or 4 billion people say that they belong to Christianity, Judaism, Islam, you know, the major religions that we recognize in the West as having kind of consistent fundamental ethics, such as we don't kill, don't steal and take care of the less fortunate. So you have this like self everybody kind of volunteers, billions of people, half the people in the world at least volunteer for uh, controlling their behavior and contributing to the upkeep of people less fortunate, which in itself is also a little bit of an insurance policy because you want to be part of that community. So all, a lot of that stuff is um, you could demonstrate just in a market where the people, the government or whatever entity it is, is aligned with you. However, they're not aligned with us. They're selling security. There is no consequence for them to fail at that. And similar to the health thing, they want to fail at it because they want to keep selling you the security or the health or whatever. So I think that it's a much easier now to make that argument when you see how truly against us they are. And just to go back to a couple of things that you said prior to that, that disaster capitalism, I have heard that expression. It's not top of mind for me, but it really clicked on something for me, which is I feel like they are taking the war model of society, the war model of kind of justifying government and replacing it with the pandemic model. And I was reminded of a classic book by Smedley Butler called, it was based on a speech he gave, War is a Racket. Mm -hmm. And it talks about how, what benefits they get from war, defense companies, whatever. So you could easily make that parallel with the pandemic stuff on how much, I mean, the government can justify their existence. They can push out more programs. They can tax more. The, the bankers will get more debt out of this thing. It's really amazing, the parallels. And mm -hmm. I just didn't even draw that one about the disaster capitalism stuff. Uh, also, the so I had, a, I had a Twitter thread going for a while about the similarities between AIDS and COVID as far as psyops are starting from the top where it's like not HIV does not cause AIDS. 
it's and it was um, falsely demonstrated that it did through PCR testing, which Carrie Moss objected to. There's like 10 of them, probably more now. And I, I have to go back and look at that. But it made me think that Carrie Mullis, who died of pneumonia at the age of 75 in August of 2019, I mean, that it really, this thing, there are a few critical paths, like Pope Francis going along with it in Italy was a critical path item. And uh, I think that Carrie Mullis dying at that time, if he had not, I think it would have been really, really difficult for them to have pushed the scam down on us. And then I also wanted to ask if you guys have an opinion on, I understand what you're, what you're doing and maybe you don't have an opinion on this, but what, since I, I agree with you, like there, or I, I should say I, there's something very artificial here and I'm, I'm starting to get the sense that it really feels like a bioweapon of some kind. I've seen an actual, someone actually sent me some research on the interactivity of EMF or 5g or whatever, on your symptoms. And when I was sick, I had, it wasn't, it didn't feel like pneumonia. And I looked into it. It felt like pneumonitis, which is a lagging side effect of radiation exposure. So and they put all these huge towers up around Thanksgiving. And by the end of January, I had this illness and it was very much this kind of, it wasn't, I've had pneumonia before. It did not feel like that at all, but it did feel like this other thing. So I'm curious if you guys came up with any kind of most likely case scenario for what this actually is rather than just what it isn't. But a lot of what you're saying really resonates with the stuff I've observed over the past year or two myself. I'll speak on that. Yeah. I mean, there was a CDC paper. I'm not sure if you remember, but right, right around the, the time when all of this started to happen a few months, a few months into the whole scam, they, the CDC put out a paper that said that the effects of 5G radiation could, or, or the, the symptoms of COVID could be the exact same symptoms as negative health effects of 5G radiation. And people started sharing that, that particular paper. It was a CDC paper. If I, if I remember correctly, it might've also been like NIH or one of the major medical journals, but it was a, what, you know, sheeple would call a mate, like a, a credible source, right? Right. They, right. They saying, saying openly that the symptoms that are caused by 5g radiation damage are the exact same symptoms as COVID. So I think that's one possibility. I Do don't you know have if a, a copy lot of, of that? <clears throat> I don't know, um, but I, I know that it, it was out there. Disappeared it. <laughs> it dis yeah, it, it disappeared like right after a bunch of alternative sources like yourself started sharing it all over the place and then and then they pulled it down a few days later. And then the other thing too is, you know, there's a lot of evidence of the whole geoengineering situation as well. And I've noticed anecdotally that right after they do large, like heavy sprays for multiple days in a row people always start getting sick around me, like right as a, I mean, it could just be coincidental, but anecdotally yeah. I've noticed that. And I've noticed it happens uh, in multiple areas of the country at the same time, because I post, I'm not afraid to post about it on my social media. I'm like, Hey, look, they're spraying like crazy. And then, you know, a day or so later, a bunch of my friends are getting sick with, you know, the exact symptoms of what they call COVID. So again, I'm not trying to discount that, that people are getting ill. I definitely think people are getting ill. There's a myriad of different poisons in our environment. A lot right. of them are deliberately put in our environment. Um, you know, such as Honestly, you know, I think so. I got sick from somebody who was newly vaccinated. Like that was my, oh, yeah. and then I thought, so to the extent that I've, I have for a long time, I, I actually, Shortly before he died, David Crow, who was writing the infectious myth and was um, had Andy Kaufman on his show and he was on my show and then he died very, very quickly. But he was I had always followed him and agreed with him or observed or validated with his evidence that this infectious infectious viruses had not been proven. They do call it germ theory. I get that. But then I started reading about bioweapons and found that they, I mean, they do this thing called gain of function research. They actually try to figure out a way and they are working on, this is in the mainstream, they are working on what they call contagious vaccines. I, I saw the first article that I cited about that was from 2015. So I think it's possible that 
they have actually achieved a way of transmitting. I mean, and then the idea of a virus in itself is really tricky because it's not alive, right? So how, what exactly is the mechanism? It simply must use your body against you. And this mRNA thing is exactly that. It's actually, now, if they can get that thing to spring out of your face onto somebody else's face, then maybe you can do it. But it's just, it seems like the quantity would have to be higher. I mean, it's it's really a, a tough stretch to say that it's just, you know, that you could make a, a vaccine that was contagious like that. But they are working on it. And I just, this thing does smack of a bioweapon of some kind. It certainly has that feeling of radiation. I did a ton of supplements and stuff and nothing really worked. It, it just kind of had to run its course. Like I, I'd never experienced anything like it. And I'm highly suspicious that it's 100, I mean, not suspicious. I'm co totally confident it's completely artificial, but it doesn't mean it's not killing people, especially when they layer things on that, that are known to like, there was an article from, I think the journal of American medicine or the new England journal of medicine from April, 2020, that said, basically it was like 97.5% of all people over 65 in New York who were put on a ventilator died. So mm. from who were who were diagnosed with COVID. And of course, if you're, I mean, and like 28% of those who weren't put on a ventilator, even if you could pick and know for sure all these people are going to die anyway, you wouldn't put them on a ventilator knowing they would die. So like they exacerbated it so much. And with these other kind of, you know, medical uh, treatments and everything that this thing does feel like it's, it's been a, a psyop and not, not that psyops don't actually hurt people. They do, but that uh, it does smack of that, especially since they had the agenda to roll out. So, you know, I look at the PCR test, I look at the incentives that they put in front of the hospitals to, uh, to have uh, patients classified as COVID, to get people on the ventilator in the first place, even though they know the ventilator is going to make people way, way worse. And there's other interventions that they should, that could be done before a ventilator, uh, you know, minimizing those and only pushing ventilators and the importance of ventilators uh, are just uh, are examples of how do you engineer a, uh, you know, a pandemic when, uh, you know, when there isn't really a pandemic going on in the country. So, you know, like I said, I gave you a couple of examples from uh, South uh, from uh, California where we went into hospitals and, but, you know, the, I, I've talked to people uh, at the end of the day, I've talked to people in dozens and dozens of hospitals. I've talked to emergency room staff. I've talked to nurses. I've talked to paramedics and I was not able to find a single incident of a single hospital reporting pandemic conditions. Okay. And talking to dozens and dozens of people from around the world. Uh, a friend of mine, uh, a member of the Liberty community who I met at Anarchapulco, went to seven different hospitals in South Korea and, uh, and filmed, uh, you know, what was going on in seven different hospitals in, in South Korea to prove that there was nothing going on in South Korea. And so there's, you know, people doing this all over and, and you're just not seeing these pandemic conditions. The disease itself has a 99.96 recovery rate. And so I, I agree that some people are getting sick, just like some people get the, you know, get influenza every single year. There appears to be a kind of like seasonal shedding where people, where the body will, uh, will throw itself into a detox to, you know, to detox, uh, you know, uh, to detox itself. And that can be symptomatic so that if, if you're living with somebody else that's going through the seasonal detox and then you, you know, you could very well adopt it as well. And so, uh, or is every single case of people that get, uh, a seasonal flu related to the COVID or have they set up these incentives and incentivize these hospitals to make sure that every single seasonal, flu and every single seasonal malady is classified as COVID because they're getting paid to do so. Wouldn't it be fantastic to get real data on this stuff? Like, I mean, and that's another example of the pathocracy. So the FDA, the CDC, they present themselves as regulatory bodies. Of course, the FDA is 
virtually captured by pharma. They don't do their own studies. Not that I want to pay them to do their own studies, but they're, they literally have been caught calling pharma their client when of course it's not that, but also you, when you have research and regulatory bodies that are, that they get the money for it and they have a monopoly on it. Like the FDA, you're not allowed to make health claims without the FDA approving them. You can get in trouble for that, even if they're true and you can prove that they're true. It's this long story. You can look into Jonathan Emord's work on folic acid and his lawsuits against the FDA, which he ultimately won, but he really had to fight tooth and nail to get the truth about folic acid and spina bifida out there. And in the meanwhile, kids were born with spina bifida who would not otherwise have been injured like that. And when, when you have somebody, it's like a legal concept of the good Samaritan, you're not required to help somebody who needs help. But if you are with somebody who needs help and you tell other people that they don't need to help that person because you will help that person, then you're liable for helping. But the concept, the legal concept behind that is that for you, you're, um, to be, that to that you're discouraging other people from doing the work that would be doing the work. And that's the problem with the FDA and the CDC in that, in this pathocracy is that you, you really, no one is ever going to do privately that work. We're already spending the money on it. They have rules against it and they're not doing it. They're actually doing the opposite. I mean, th this is a, a real scathing indictment of how government is not only not efficient, but it's, harmful and dangerous. And I wanted to know, do you guys want to take a little break and then we'll come back? I know there's a kind of half hour cutoff. No, we're, I already restarted the cameras. So we're all set. We're good. We can yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, great. So yeah, I just, um, they, I think it's a good demonstration of the dangers of government in that when you give them this authority to do research or to regulate or to be responsible for the data they immediately sell that to the highest bidder or to whatever. I mean, if you want to really get to where there are evil overlords that want more than just money. I actually always thought that. And I think a little bit less than that now, because it just seems like a, a big pharma just runs the world and they're just hoovering up all the money and they don't care how it hurts. But there's just a, a lot of indictments here. Well, you know, first of all, you don't give government the ability to do anything. Government does whatever it wants. And, you know, that's this is my problem. What we call the I call the shady hist history of the Constitution. You know, the Constitution has not protected any rights. It hasn't limited government. The government does whatever it wants. And or and pharmaceutical, you know, companies use government they lobby and bribe government to get a drug put on the schedule. So if you can get a vaccination, just put on the childhood immunization schedule, that's a billion dollars. That's, that's over a billion dollars of revenue for every single additional drug uh, vaccine that goes onto the childhood immunization schedule. And that's why you're seeing, you know, something like, I want to say it's like 78 individual shots uh, this is craziness. It's it's just a revolving door of criminality where you've got people going in and out of, of industry into, into the regulatory bodies. It's well known. It's called regulatory capture in economics. There's a you know term in economics that describes the process that's that's going on. And you know it just you know if you if you're going to be making a billion dollars, how much do you think it costs you to to bribe a couple of a, a couple of dozen uh, you know, uh, regulators within the CDC and is, you know, is that something that we're seeing? Well, yeah. If you take a look at Ju Julie Gerbelding, who was the head of the CDC and, and after her term, she went to work for Merck as head of their vaccine, uh, division, uh, receiving at the time, I want to say it was over $8 million. I want to say some, somewhere around $8 million in stock options, you know, and so she literally went right from being a regulator to working for uh, the company she was regulating where they gave her what sure smells to me like a payoff, uh, you know, to uh, to come aboard um, and use that influence that she still had within the agency. I think Donald Rumsfeld had a similar story with Monsanto had 
uh, an interest in the stock. And then as in government, he promoted their interests, which benefited him, if I recall correctly. There's another economics term that's pertinent called the regulatory barriers to entry. So if you have a, a, a product that's easy to like cigarettes are cheap, but if you have to jump through a lot of hoops to enter that market because you need to do a lot of studies or have a lot of policing, then the incumbents, the big guy, will much more easily be able to dominate that market because those regulatory barriers to entry will keep any kind of competition or upstarts out. And I think like YouTube is getting that. They have 10,000 sensors. If they can get that to be a regulatory requirement to have that level of censorship, it would be very hard for like BitChute or whatever to fully compete with them because they would not be able to do that. And there is also a regulatory concept in law where if someone has demonstrated the ability to economically uh, institute these standards, then it then it really lends itself to becoming law there. If it's impossible for anyone to do it, like it was airbags, I think were like that. It was impossible. It was not cost-effective. Then no one had to do it. But once someone demonstrated that they could do it, well, then it became a standard. And then that makes those regulatory barriers higher and competition lower, which of course is what they want. Yeah. By the way, the, the incident you mentioned with Rumsfeld was uh, uh, Donald Rumsfeld came aboard uh, as CEO of GD Cyril, S-E-A-R-L-E. Oh, Cyril, yes. Yeah, what, which got bought by Monsanto eventually. Oh, yeah. But he uh, uh, ran roughshod over the regulators, the FDA, to get aspartame certified against the, against the wishes of the toxicologists within the EPA. Uh, and that was, his, that was his claim to fame. And if you take a look at whether it's aspartame, whether it's saccharin, whether it's uh, glyphosated wheat, uh, whether it's, you know, there's uh, BPA and BPS in can lighters. Uh, the list goes on and on. There's an amazing amount of toxic ingredients in our food supply. And, you know, taking a look at Donald Rumsfeld, you know, my, my running joke is you never want to buy an artificial sweetener from a war criminal. Yes, exactly. I I thought he was inside the government when he got that done, but you might I, I you're reminding me right. I looked into that one time and I discovered at that time that 95% of all food complaints to the FDA were that aspartame causes headaches. Mm -hmm. And then I think there's, you know, it can cause other things too, but that's like the start. I wanted to back up, Monica, to something that you said about BitChute and, you know, regula regulations. I think that, you know, we can we can circle around and all of us clearly have plenty of knowledge on the problems and we can talk about the problems all day. But when it comes to solutions, I think that a lot of these decentralized platforms are going to be are going to be massive. And I don't think BitChute is going to be caring whether or not they have permission from the government to you know, put any content on their platform without censorship. And especially, you know, some of the smaller platforms like Float and Odyssey and all these, all these decentralized platforms, I think are a huge, are a huge thing that we can be doing right now to be getting information out there and not be worrying about what the, you know, whether or not the government is going to allow this to happen. And if you're familiar with Derek Bros's work, he talks a lot about agorism and um, Samuel Edward Conklin III and how, yes. you know, we just have to continue. Yeah, counter economics. And I think that that's really going to be the only true solution to what's going on because their, their criminals are going to continue to do criminal things. We all know that the corporations and the governments are really just like Howard said, a revolving door where the regulations don't actually prevent bad things from happening, but permit bad things to happen. And if we continue to allow that to go on and we don't create alternative solutions, then it's going to continue to go on. So, so, so about it's, it's that beautiful. Just not caring. And I appreciate that. Isn't I got taken down from WordPress. It was like very annoying, really mm. a problem. And so, and then I put my stuff on GoDaddy or whatever. Ultimately, I just pay for a private server, which isn't even in this country. So I feel like I have a couple of layers of protection. But isn't it, uh, I mean, aren't there protocols? 
can't they make it very hard for you to be accessed through people's internet? Like if the international internet body, which used to, I think, be US and now is like international, um, couldn't, could BitChute really still reach people if they were deplatformed at that level? Or is it like the blockchain kind of thing where you just can't at some level, it'll be yeah. able to get out? Blockchain is one way that, you know, it's it's decentralized. So even if they were to, you know, there's no way that they can really take down a decentralized platform. I'm actually not completely sure if BitChute is a fully decentralized platform or not. But, but in addition to that, like, you know, you can always use a VPN to get around any right. sort of BS that they have on a localized internet. You know, for example, I use cryptocurrency exchanges out of the United States all the time because yeah. I don't want to deal with the KYC bullshit of, um, you know, the major crypto exchanges in the US because they're regulated under, you know, federal law and all the, you know, Coinbase and Binance, they all just willingly go along with these stupid regulations that I know it's a us little, from actually having freedom with crypto. So there's always, sad. you know, there's always ways around the things. There's always ways that we can, that we can circumvent the issues and be able to still come up with solutions. So that's what I try yeah. to focus I, on. As much I possible. totally agree. It's just, I always look for the path of least resistance as a way mm. to keep just keep being efficient, keep going. It can really slow you down when you've got to do things the hard way. And they certainly know that, but I mean, maybe at this point, we just want to keep the remnants alive and growing. And I think the remnants is growing because it became so clear to people who really didn't have to take a stand that they're literally like after us. Yeah. Now is the time to take a stand. Now is the time to take a stand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's yeah. If, if you're not, if you're not taking a stand right now against what's going on, I don't really know what to what to tell you. And I think that Australia is a really good example of what happens when people collectively don't take a stand because and give up if your you, guns first. Yeah, if you give up your guns and then you're you're willing to go along with with the gun control legislation, which if you listen to Larkin Rose, he beautifully defines gun control as being gun violence. Um, that's a beautiful way he oh, he reframes that. Because, because, because by away. forcing people to take their, by forcibly yeah. taking people's guns away under the threat of violence and coercion, you're essentially using gun violence in order to take people's guns away. I, that's so, so true. It's like, it's so ridiculous that people are calling gun control, gun control, because it's a euphemism for gun yeah. violence and just giving the, the band of criminals the exclusive right to use force against the population, which is totally ridiculous. But going back to Australia, yeah. you know, like they're an example of this is what happens when we don't take a stand. So I think that right now is the time we all have to take a stand. Howard's doing it with his research and his writing. I'm doing it with my music. You're doing it with your platform and your podcast. And I would just encourage everybody out there, if you have some kind of creative project that you think could be useful to serving the great work, and and spreading truth and spreading natural law and and true sovereignty please step up to the plate and do it because we need everybody's help right now we we're not going to get by if if it's not a team effort so yeah i, that's agree all I want to say to people so out there i have an example of you what you said it was actually brilliant i hadn't thought of it that way larkin rose does come up with those brilliant insights but um that the red flag law one of the first red flag laws a i think it was like a Family dispute at Thanksgiving, somebody called on, I forget his name. I want to call him like Gary Wallace or Gary Warren, something like that. Cops came, said, somebody called on you. We have to take your guns. And the guy, I think he came to the door with a gun because he didn't know who was there. I don't, maybe it was like weird to him. And he was totally fine, cordial, all of that. And then they actually literally tried to take his guns out of his hands and uh, they ended up killing him. Yep, Maryland. Oh, was violence. it in Maryland? It was in Maryland. Yeah, it was yeah. the first. That was the. What was the his first. name? I don't remember his exact right. name, okay. but yeah, I, I know Maryland. I know for a fact it was Maryland, because I lived next door at the time in Northern Virginia, and so I began paying attention to what Maryland is doing. Maryland has now used uh, red flag laws over five hundred times, and then that was that that number is you know over a year old at least so maybe oh, yeah. you know maybe even over you know a thousand times who knows but it was it's at least they've used red flag laws at least 500 times yeah. including you know they uh they famously murdered a uh libertarian uh, party activist named duncan limp 
who was asleep, sleeping next to his pregnant girlfriend when they executed a no-knock uh, search warrant in the early morning hours and shot him in his bed, shot him in his bed while he was sleeping next to his pregnant girlfriend. And so the, the yeah, those you know, no-knock warrants are bad news, and we fought them bad in Georgia, news. and we stopped it back then. I don't know if they came around since then, but. They they're actually don't feel like the red flag laws are being used enough. I read an article in the journal a couple of weeks ago saying that they want a countrywide initiative, not only for everyone to adopt the red flag laws, but to encourage their use. And I feel like the subtext there was that they would impart liability to you if you didn't raise the red flag on anybody you would suspect. So there's a whole movement on the government from not only uh, transition or failing to do what we're told there, the constitution sets them up to do, but now to use force to actually make you do things like call the cops on people, get an injection, whatever. I mean, it's really getting, it's getting to the point where it's out of control, but what, what else do you want to tell people about your latest stuff or what to do? I mean, are we missing big segments of, what you wanted to talk about or you want to recap or how do you want to use your time? I thought we'd tell you a little bit about Sedona because I think what's going on here is kind of cool. I mentioned that we were the consciousness capital of the world. And one of the aspects of volunteerism that, we, that you know, that we really enjoy is uh, doing the great work and explaining to people about natural law. And in natural law, you know, there is this, you know, there is a, a, a you know, a, a very black and white of morality. Uh, you cannot, you know, you cannot commit violence on people. You cannot lie, cheat, steal, etc. Um, and uh, there's so much consciousness in this little community that we live in that we meet more. I've met more people that are, you know, self-described either voluntarists or just do not support the government at all because they there's a realization that that voting is violence. If you're if you're voting for a politician, whether it be a Republican or whether it be a Democrat, um, you know, you're if you think about what the, the promise of the Republic, Republican Party is, it's, hey, elect my guy and he's going to rob everybody and put these <laughs> policies yeah. into, you know, into practice. And the, the, Repo the Democrats are like, no, 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 elect my guy and he's going to rob everybody and he's going to put these these you know, policies and, you know, in, into practice. And voluntarists are really the only ones that are saying, hey, why don't we not rob anybody? The world is a self-organizing place. It produces spontaneous order. Everything the government does would rather be done, you know, through, uh, you know, uh, private uh, you know, uh, free market or mutual aid societies, whatever it is. And this like little community that we live in um, inherently gets that, not necessarily the utilitarian aspect of, of government, but they get it because they don't want to harm other people and they're not going to advocate violence for other people. And so that's really, really this kind of like really unique place that we live. Yeah, they get it on a moral level, going back to what, what Howard was saying about natural law, I would say both of us are very much aligned with like Mark Passio's teachings on natural law and just, you know, there, there's no way that government can be moral because it, by its definition, it is coercion. It is violence because it's just, we're, we're giving a threat and then we're backing that threat with force. You know, if you don't, if you don't do what we say that we're backing it with force and people here in Sedona, they might not be, you know, awake to like the ins and outs of natural law the way that Howard and I have studied it in depth but it's very it's a very nice place to be because people are like they're in a heart-centered realization of that already they're already willing to kind of realize that violence is wrong that if you wouldn't you know engage in involuntary sex which is which we'd also call rape <laughs> then you also wouldn't engage in involuntary theft which is also known as taxation right it's yeah. essentially the same thing and people here understand that on a moral level and so it's a really nice place to to be able to kind of spread these ideas of voluntarism because people and are just willing to pick it up really quickly and they're already almost there if not already there sounds like they're aware more aware but there is data and studies that underlie uh, that 
people are naturally like that. So there was, I was watching a video. I was talking to a guy from Libertarian Institute, Pat McFarlane, and he did a video that is a pretty short documentary, 15 minutes, maybe. I think it's called like why Johnny can't kill something like that. And the premise is that it's actually hard. Soldiers will like miss on purpose and stuff. And this has been going on for thousands of years. It's a problem and people just don't want to kill. And even he was even bringing out that, like it's true in the animal kingdom too, where you see these violent altercations between rams trying to win the heart of the best looking female. And they will stop short of killing the other guy. They, that's just killing it is just something, maybe it's just evolutionary where it's bad for the species and we can't have survived if that's how we did it. I don't know, but he really convinced me that it is absolutely not, it is the exception to murder. And you can see that because it's actually quite rare. And if you look at gun statistics, for example, again, statistics that they shove in your face and they talk about gun homicides, I think it's possible. Um, I'd have to double check at John Lott's website, but uh, where the majority of those are self-defense. So they call them gun homicides, making you think that they're murder. Yeah, but it's yeah. actually an ad for, for gun use as self-defense because those are murders that weren't committed because the killer was killed. Mm. And I have and an interesting story. I have an interesting story to share on that. I was in Colorado a couple of years ago and I got into not, I wasn't really in road rage, but I supposedly cut this guy off and he followed me off the highway for like 15 miles from the highway exit. And he was like super violent, like trying to get at me, trying to get in my car. Like I stopped the car and he, he was like trying to get into my car and stuff. So I just threw my gun to let him know like, Hey, look buddy, like you're not going to be messing with me. And he called the police and within like within 10 minutes, I had like three SWAT team looking cops, like all fully armed and aiming their fully automatic weapons at me because I drew my Glock to try to defend my, like not, not even, I wasn't even aiming at him. I was well, just letting him know, Hey, I have the ability to defend myself. Yes. I live in a, I live in a country where we're supposed to have the rights to defend ourselves. But that was an example of like, look, you, you don't, you absolutely do not have the constitutionally protected right. rights that you think you have. That's a good point. Um, and so it's and, just, yeah. And nobody's ever going to report that, right? You're not going to report that you stopped a crime with your gun. They wouldn't take that report. They're, you're the mm -hmm. criminal to them. So, the, so it, the only ones that actually get reported are the ones where you actually killed the guy. But there are, I think, evidence to suggest millions of crimes are prevented just by doing what you did. Although I was taught... That you don't, that if you ever draw your weapon, you like aim to kill because they could get one over mm. on you. But nonetheless, people do it all the time. And apparently there are millions of, of serious crimes averted just by doing what you did. Yeah. I mean, if we lived in a fully armed to the teeth society, it would be right. a very polite society. That's just the, that's it, just the it, simple thing. You don't go into, you don't go into a gun show and try to shoot up a gun show. Right. I actually because, think because there's a bunch of people who are going to have yeah. the ability to defend themselves and prevent that from happening. The, the societies that get destroyed by gun violence are the societies where the, where the people are disarmed. It's just a fact. And, and uh, I, I they think try to use, yeah. <laughs> sorry, they try to use Australia as like their their case against that. I, I always hear, oh, well, look at Australia. They took away the guns and the violence went down. And it's like now that argument has just completely been flattened because now there's more violence happening in Australia, almost as much there as in any communist uh, regime and in the, in what the about history of the world. So Fortress Switzerland has tons of guns and everybody has them. They're required to have them and they have very low crime. But I think we would have a very polite society if the government itself didn't intentionally promote crime. I mean, that's what they're that's what they're doing. They're see the, they prevent you from policing your own neighborhood, and then they institute policies that promote crime, so that you need more government intervention. What's happening right now is very scary and dangerous, where they're promoting crime at the same time that they have these protest movements inorganic in my opinion that tell you like to defund the police pull back on the police and i feel like they're creating a need or a perceived need and a vacuum to have a federal police force take over you know i just i feel like the police state is 
working hard to descend across the earth as we speak. Until they figure out that it is a scam. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's keep that going. So how do people, how, how can, um, why don't you reiterate how people can educate themselves and their friends with your book? And so the, if, first of all, if you want to hear uh, Grant's song scam, uh, it's at artofliberty.org forward slash scam. And then if you'd like to uh, support the Indiegogo, it's artofliberty.org forward slash Indiegogo. And if you'd like to pick up uh, a copy of the fourth edition for Christmas, that is available at government-scam.com. Do you think that's what I have, the fourth edition? You've got the fourth edition, definitely. <laughs> I love it. I have seen this work, this. I have to say. The scam and all of the all of our music is also available via this QR code. Let's see if maybe I can put this. Oh on the yeah, that, I think that'll work. Scan it. Here, if you wait and, a second, um, I'll hold on. Stand by. There you go. Boom. So yeah, that's where that's where you can find the music, and and we are on all platforms um, except for Spotify currently. So I'm working on getting it back up on Spotify. Yeah. I've gotten I have gotten no sort of notice or any type of like justification for why the song was pulled down. I know there's a lot of freedom music up there with millions of, of if not billions of streams. My song only had 2000 streams when it got pulled down. So to me, that's a good indicator that the message is pretty over the target and that they're afraid of that song getting out to the masses because if it goes viral, it might be able to make a positive change. So I just hope that your audience goes and checks it out, go to, go to either artofliberty.org slash scam, or if you want to check out all of our music, go to presencemusic.com slash music and presence is spelled with a Z or you can just scan that QR code. So. All right. Well then let's end the show by putting that video right in here. And then I'll also link to it so that people can share it on its own in the show notes. Perfect. Thank so. You. It has been super fun talking to you guys. I am Monica Perez of the Propaganda Report here with Etienne Lepoetsi Squared and Grant Elman, who are fighting the good fight. You can join them at it is artofliberty.org slash Indiegogo or com. You got it. Artofliberty.org forward slash Indiegogo. That's what I thought. Okay, great. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for having yeah, us thanks on, Monica. We appreciate you. I said we're living through a skin, yeah, 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 yeah. I said we're living through a skin, yeah, 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 yeah. I said we're living through a skin, yeah, 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 yeah. I said we're living through a skin, yeah, 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 yeah. Break down that walls that we got to unify Differences between us make us beautiful and divine Politicians, them, they use that difference to divide I and I know who I am, my heart is in alignment Standing up to the tyrants, no need to live in confinement Babylon crumbling before my eyes, I'm not surprised yet Every breath I take in the oxygen, I'm optimizing My health is my true wealth and no vaccine will compromise it Needles injecting into the ship but they genetically modified Installing the operating system, 5G comes online And death by toxic chemicals and heavy metals ever make the headlines Blame it on the virus which they never purified That's right Because we're living through a scam yeah, yeah. I said we're living through a scam A scam, a scam I said we're living through a scam yeah. Said there's a new type of Nazi on the block Correctness is the branding on the flock Operation Warp Speed coming with a vaccine When them needles come at me, there's only one who takes a shot Hey, I got the 12 gauge in the closet, 357 on my bedside Look on my appendix, I'm athletic, train myself right Contact tracers come at me, your medics won't be too psyched On this human body, self-defense, it is my birthright Indoctrination from cradle to grave, I'm not living under a slave state Figure that yet that the criminals can only rule you through Religion and hate, authority held in belief A majority fear nothing more than a spanking conformity Outnumber them, thousand to one Wake from your slumber, drop out till it's one, yes Because we're living through a scam, yeah, yeah I said we're living through a scam, a scam, a scam I said we're living through a scam, yeah We will reclaim, we 
Let the fraud get your attention Every boy is put a new puppet Be thrown with no objection to aggression No oppression or violent tax collection True democracy is each individual Making her own selections 51, picking their own at 49 That's my fool Dialectics to distract us Even the fight is not cool Time for us to each become the master of our destiny Individual suffering die Is the way to free society Rise up, take the power back, yo Rise up, be the change you want to see Rise up, the silence is compliance Let your words shape your future destiny Hey, rise up, a counter-attack, yo Rise up, take a step for love and 